Hey everyone, it's Windy City for what I believe is the fifth VRMLP podcast. Um, sorry for like the long wait between podcasts. I had my computer broke. I had to get it fixed. It took that that almost took a week. Then I had to get catch up on papers, and then midterms really slammed me, and I just honestly did not have like even half an hour free time. But um, I'm gonna try to get back to like once a week, twice a week schedule from now on until at least hopefully until finals um so let's go through the last couple of trades that went down maybe starting at the dozier trade so um in this trade the la dodgers got brian dozier and in return, this Twins got Jose De Leon and Kenny Dow. Um, Dozier, he's a very solid player. Well, let me see. It. Let me just check if there's any picks involved. Uh, no. So there's no picks. So uh, the Dodgers got Brian Dozier, second baseman, 29 years age, 888 OPS, um, pretty solid fielding stats. And in return, the Twins got Jose de Leon, 23, 1.53 whip, 7.9 strikeouts per nine, 10.1 hits per nine. And Kenny Dow, who was the first round pick of the Dodgers this year, he's 23, he has a 701 OPS and an all-star progression system with 533 at-bats. So I'm going to take this side of the Dodgers because Jose de Leon, Although he's only 23, he has 272 innings pitched on his system, and he has a high 10.1 hits per nine, and his strikeouts per nine are all is 7.9, so it's not too low, but it can't outweigh that 10.1 hits per nine, and I just don't think he's going to progress fast enough to become anything but maybe like a long reliever type, maybe a fifth guy in your rotation, but... I just don't really see a lot from him. He's not going to become a dominant starter. His contract is relatively expensive because of all those innings pitched. And um, Kenny Dow, he's young, but he's never... I mean, maybe he'll progress into something like a Dozier, but I'm not sure with an all-star progression. <clears throat> he does have an 8-speed, so you get a little quickness on the base pass. But, you know... I just don't really, he's really, I don't think Jose de Leon's not really worth very much. So it's really, for me, between Kenny Dow and Brian Dozier. And Dozier, he's 29, but he's going to regress very slowly with 615 at-bats. So I just don't think that Kenny Dow will really become a Dozier until type level player for a while. So I can sort of see it from the twin side because they obviously weren't going to win this year. They finished 71 and 91. Uh, they're rebuilding, and that's after almost that's after going four, five, six, six and one in their last seven games. So I get it from the d- twin side. I just think that Dozier probably could have kept most of his value for another year, and would have probably tried to see if I could have not flipped him for a little a little something higher but you know i can get it from both sides i just 
think I'm going to take the Dodgers side, and it really helped propel the Dodgers into the playoffs. Um, even though, <clears throat> even though they lost out in the divisional round, but I think Dozier can help the Dodgers again next season, and possibly even the season after that, potentially for the life of his four-year contract. He could be a useful player for all those years because of how slow he's going to regress. So, the next trade is Cole Calhoun for Joey Rickard. So, Calhoun's going to Baltimore. Rickard's going to LA, the Angels. Um, Cole Calhoun, he's 28, 789 OPS. And uh, Joey Rickard, 25 years old, 697 OPS. Um,. I don't really get this trade a lot. I think I have to probably go with the Orioles because I know the Angels are rebuilding, but well, Joey Rickard does have two progression systems left. So I guess I can actually see it from both perspectives. Orioles were trying to go for it this year. I mean, they actually made it into the wild card round. They lost, but still. And Cole Calhoun's not going to regress for another season or two, so he's going to still maintain a pretty solid bat for the next two seasons. Um, While Rickard, he'll progress. Yeah, actually, I'll probably take the Angels' side then. Well, I think this is just an overall pretty fair deal. Rickard, he's not that great right now. You probably would want to replace him, but in, I think in probably two progressions, He'll probably be a Cal Cole Calhoun level player, and so he'll probably basically be a Cole Calhoun. You're just basically giving yourself two years of until he gets there. And the Angels are probably not going to compete for another. I mean, probably two years, maybe even three or four. They were fifty-seven and one hundred five this year. They're just not great, and they traded away Mike Trout in an earlier deal. So. I can see where they're coming from with this trade, and I can sort of see Baltimore trying to push for a playoff spot. So overall, this was a pretty fair deal on both sides. Uh, the next deal is Cesar Hernandez and Kevin Davenport going to Toronto for Devin Travis going to Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Uh, Devin Travis, second baseman, 25 years age, 796 OPS. Um, Kevin Davenport, relief pitcher. He was drafted in the second round by the Phillies this year. 22, 108 whip with a 7.3 hits per nine, 7.1 strikeouts per nine with a U progression system. And then the Blue Jays got Cesar Hernandez. He's 26, 765 OPS. Okay, fielding's pretty okay. Pretty good fielding stats. Range factor's pretty good. So I'm going to take, though, the Philly side. Mostly because... I really don't see why the different... I mean, I could actually see... Devin Travis has a slightly lower fielding percentage, but really, besides that, Cesar Hernandez is better in almost every category. Uh, Devin Travis does have a lower strikeout rate. Does he? Oh, no, he doesn't, because Cesar Hernandez... Yeah, so basically, in every category, Cesar Hernandez is a better second baseman than Devin Travis... And the Blue Jays also got Kevin Davenport, who's going to probably be a pretty solid relief pitcher in a couple years, as long as his U progression system gives him a couple positive progressions. 
So, yeah, I don't really see why the Phillies did this trade. Um, I mean, Travis, I believe, is he's younger by one year. But I just don't think base, basically Hernandez still has one more positive progression system progression left. Travis has two. So although Travis has an extra year of progression left, um, I don't think it's worth giving up Davenport for that extra year of progression. And Cesar Hernandez is slightly worse. I mean, he has his slugging isn't quite as good. But it's not like overall horrible. It's and he has a much he has uh, a seven speed compared to a three speed, so he gives you a little something on the base pass. <coughs> I just don't really I'm not loving this trade for the Phillies. What did the Phillies end up with? The Phillies, yeah. So the Phillies ended up with the worst record this year, forty-seven and one hundred fifteen. So. You are trading for a younger player, a younger second baseman, but you're giving up a really younger relief pitcher who's probably going to be able to develop into a relatively solid bullpen guy. Probably not a closer or a setup, but I could definitely see him coming in as like a third guy in your bullpen, especially if his progressions are a lot of the positive. So I just don't think I probably would have pulled the trigger on this deal. I think you sort of almost was just running in place with Devin Travis to Cesar Hernandez because it's not a huge upgrade. He will get another year of progression, but it's not. Well, he does have 410. Devin Travis will progress slightly quicker or a lot quicker, but I don't know. I guess I was sort of rambling. I should have probably looked at the guys a little closer. I can see it from both sides. I just probably would have gone with the Blue Jays side over the Phillies side. But I can see since Devin Travis will progress a lot quicker. I can see where they're coming from. And, I mean, <clears throat> I never really value relief pitchers a lot. I probably should value them a little more. But, I mean, unless it's a guy like Aroldis Chapman or like CJ Edwards or someone, I don't really value them very highly. Because I feel like you can usually get a solid guy for just a couple dollars a year. And if Philadelphia is taking that perspective, I can get it. I just probably would have sided with Toronto currently. Um, so let's look at the next trade. <coughs> Sorry, I have a little cough. Um, this was the Corey Kluber-Danny Salazar trade. I believe this had picks involved. Yeah. So the Angels got Cody Allen, Danny Salazar, Corey Kluber, and the Spiders got Tyler Skaggs, Mike Trout, Ricky Nilasco, and JC Ramirez. So for this trade, I'm probably going to side with the Spiders. Because. And it really is because of where these teams are in their rebuilding or comp competition like um, cycle. So Tyler Skaggs, <clears throat> he's 24 years age, 1.51 whip, 
9.4 hits per nine, 9.2 strikeouts per nine, 196 innings pitched. I mean, maybe a fifth guy in your rotation, he might be able to develop into slightly better, especially since he has a couple of years of progression, although he's only signed to a $7 two-year contract. Um, but really, the main part the Spiders got back was Mike Trout, 24 years age, 994 OPS, one of the better hitters in the league. And then you also got Ricky Nolasco. He's really more of a throw-in. Maybe sign him up to a year contract, but 6.6 strikeouts per nine paired with a 9.2 hits per nine. He's probably not going to be used for more than another year or two. And then uh, they also got JC Ramirez, 1.27 whip, 6.8 strikeouts per nine. Uh, he's a reliever, 27 years age. Maybe also sign him for a year deal, but he's not going to be that much. He's not. He put a 5 ERA in 18 innings pitch. I just don't really see him as an amazing contributor to your bullpen. Maybe a guy in like the sixth reliever role or something. The Angels got Cody Allen, 27 years of age, 1.0 whip, 5.4 hits per nine, 11.5 strikeouts. He's a dominant reliever. Danny Salazar, 26 years age, 1.34 whip, 7.9 hits per nine, 10.6 strikeouts per nine. So although his whip's pretty high, it's a good ratio of walks per, compared to hits. And he has a strong strikeout per nine, so he should be able to basically become a pretty solid like third guy in your rotation, fourth guy in your or even possibly a second guy in your rotation. And then you get Corey Kluber, he's 30. 1.06 whip, 7.1 hits per nine, 9.5 strikeouts per nine. My issue with the trade is that the Angels gave up, I mean, Trout. I mean, it was really mostly Trout they gave up. I guess they you could also throw in maybe Tyler Skaggs. <coughs> and they did get Cody Allen, Salazar, and Kluber. But the this probably won't actually affect the Angels a lot because Allen is already 27 and Kluber's 30, so he's about to start declining pretty steadily. He does have 215 innings pitch, so it should be. Then you have Danny Salazar, who's 26, so he has one more positive progression left. It's not going to be that much, though, because he has 274 innings pitched. And I just don't really see it from the Angels' perspective unless they're going to try to flip Allen and maybe Kluber for some other people because their competitive window is not going to probably open up for a couple more years. They're really one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, no offense, Josh, but it's just they lost 100 games. I don't really see this addition bumping them up to like from 57 wins to you know 80 wins something that you need to try to compete for a playoff so if this had been maybe someone like the reds or the cardinals even the spiders or the mets someone in the someone who was probably winning somewhere between like Maybe even the Kansas City Royals, but basically anyone who was winning like 79 plus games, I could see this trade really benefiting them because it would really help bolster their bullpen and rotation. But as it is, I don't really see the Angels 
winning this trade and they gave up Mike Trout. So I think any trade that you give up Trout in, you almost have to win. Uh, the next trade is Ross Stripling to the Yankees, Alex Wood to the Yankees for Ruby De La Rosa. This trade I'm going to side with the Yankees. Uh, basically, Ruby De La Rosa, 27 years old, 1.26 whip, 7.7 hits per nine, 9.7 strikeouts per nine. And then you get Alex Wood and Ross Stripling. And Ross Strip, I would say Alex Wood and Ruby De La Rosa are comparable players. Except Ruby De La Rosa is two years older. He does have a slightly lower hits per nine. And Alex Wood has a slightly higher strikeouts per nine. And then, but the Yankees also get Ross Stripling, who I can see as your maybe like, he does have a low strikeouts per nine, but he's overall an okay player. He still has another positive progression left. And basically just a combination of Wood plus Stripling greatly outweighs Ruby De La Rosa, especially with Ruby De La Rosa's low stamina at 69 compared to 77 for Wood and 81 for Stripling. I think this was... The Do I could see why maybe the Dodgers made this trade, but really I probably would have just kept Wood where uh, I would have just put in Wood instead of La Rosa for If I was the Dodgers, I probably would have just kept it because it's not that big of an upgrade this year, and pro in the next couple of years, you're going to start losing out in this trade. Um... <clears throat> Next trade is Carrasco and AJ Cole. Uh, sorry, Gio Gonzalez and AJ Cole to the Spiders for Carlos Carrasco, and the Washington also gave up their first round draft pick. And I'm gonna take the Spiders once again, cause because Carlos while Carlos Carrasco is a pretty good pitcher this year, he's an All Star. He's 29 years old, and he's gonna regress very slowly because he has 292 innings pitched but he, and then you have AJ <coughs> AJ Cole who was traded to the Spiders and then the Spiders flipped him again to the Diamondbacks and then they also got Gio Gonzalez who's more of a throw-in player I think he's probably your fifth guy in your rotation uh, he's regressed. He's going to start regressing pretty quickly. 177 innings pitched. Maybe your sixth guy. Um, I He's not that great, but you get that first-round draft pick, which you were able to flip A.J. Cole in that first-round draft pick for Sanchez. So overall, I think I'm going to really take that side. And I don't really get why the Nationals were so bad this year. If you look at their rotation, they can be really good. They're lineup's pretty solid and the only way i could say this trade really helps the nationals is if they compete next year because you sort of wasted the rest of carrasco's season this year as you traded for him when you were like the sixth worst team in the league i mean you got up to the 10th worst but you still traded a top 10 draft pick for carrasco who's going to start declining and unless you're able to push for a playoff spot next year and this year after that I don't really see this trade benefiting you a lot. However, if you're able with this rotation, basically I think a 1-2-3 punch of Scherzer, Strasburg, Carrasco, and then you have Tanner Roark, who's not a bad pitcher either. And then Joe Ross is a solid fifth guy. So if you're able to push for a playoff spot the next two to three years, this Carrasco trade could help you a lot. But if you continue to be 
you know, a bottom 10, 15 team, I don't really see this trade really working out, and I probably would have rather had kept my uh, first-round draft pick. Uh, the next trade was A.J. Cole and Trevor Bauer to the Diamondbacks for Gary Sanchez, and in return, and uh, Arizona also got Washington's first-round draft pick. So this trade also, I'm going to have to take Gary Sanchez, the spider side, because Sanchez... As I said before, he's going to be one of the best players in the entire league. He's a catcher. I mean, excellent player. And this isn't the same owner who traded for Sanchez the first time, but you did give up two first-round draft picks for Sanchez, and you only get one in return, plus Trevor Bauer and A.J. Cole. Uh, Trevor Bauer and A.J. Cole, they're like... Trevor Bauer, 25 years age, 1.31 whip, 8.5 hits per nine, 8.0 strikeouts per nine. He can be a solid guy in your rotation. He's not going to be a star, though. And AJ Cole, again, he's 24, 1.34 whip. He's going to progress very quickly, but he's also probably not going to be like an absolute superstar ace guy. Potentially, maybe, depending on his progressions, but... I don't know, I probably would have kept Sanchez and tried to get maybe another draft pick or something out of Cleveland or another team, or someone who I knew was going to be able to progress into a star, because Sanchez is going to be one of the best players in the entire league, and I mean, currently he's one of the best players, but in one, two years, he's going to be the best young hitter. Um... Next trade is Albert Suarez to the Spiders along with San Francisco's first-round pick for Jason Kipnis, Carlos Santana, Andrew Miller. Uh, this trade, I'm going to side with the San Francisco Giants because you get the 30th uh, pick overall, which isn't that high. And then Albert Suarez, who... Um, He's a starting pitcher, 26 years age, 1.31 whip, 9.0 hits per nine, 5.8 strikeouts per nine. I mean, I'd consider almost not even signing him with that low of a strikeouts per nine, and his stamina is only 69. He only has one more positive progression left. Maybe sign him to a one-year deal, but he's not like someone who's really valued very highly. And in return, the Giants got Jason Kipnis. He's a solid second baseman, really upgraded over... I believe it was Panic who had like a 690 OPS. And he's going to regress pretty slowly, so he should be usable for another two to three years. And then you have Carlos Santana, 30 years old, but again, 867 OPS. He's a solid DH or first baseman for you. And then you also got Andrew Miller, who's one of the best relievers in the entire game. This really helped the Giants... Uh, get their lineup into shape, and also helped <coughs> with uh, with shoring up their bullpen. And I just think that the Spiders probably should have gotten a little more for giving up three guys who are basically almost stars. And I just don't think the 30th pick in the draft is really worth it. So, uh, that's sort of all the trades I'm going to go through. So in the first, I'll just go through the playoffs. Um, so in the first round, we saw the Rockies get shut down by Kershaw and company. Score was 3-2. to two. 
basically, it was Tyler Chatwood was actually able to throw 6.2 innings pitched, one earned run, but he had an unearned run, which I believe, what was that? Maybe, yeah. <clears throat> so it was Corey Seager, or yeah, Corey Seager made an error and allowed Altuve to score in the sixth inning, which sort of forced Chat, which almost forced Chatwood out. He only stayed in for another guy. Or no, he stayed in for a while. Well, yeah. So. Basically, Kershaw was able to just mow down everyone. They only allowed... He did allow an unearned run. <clears throat> and Jansen actually allowed an unearned run. But the Dodgers were actually able to shut down... What was it? I think they were the number one offense in the league. Or number two. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, they had the number two offense. 843 OPS compared to an 860 on the Red Sox. But they were able to shut down one of the best offenses in the entire league to two runs and they were just able to squeak in three runs. Um, so the next game would be Detroit versus the Baltimore Orioles. <coughs> so the Orioles were able to, Oh no, the, the Tigers were able to pull this one off. Really Justin, uh, Kevin Gaussman just didn't have his stuff today. He allowed five earned runs in 5.2 innings. He allowed three in the first frame, and basically after that, it was almost game over. Verlander was able to only allow three earned runs, and then Rondon and Rodriguez shut him down for the rest of the game. Uh, you had you had two home runs <coughs> by the Tigers. You know, you also had two home runs by the Orioles. But the Orioles just were not able to muster up. Huh, that's actually interesting. The Orioles were batting Machado ninth in their lineup. I don't know. That's an interesting decision. I would have probably I probably would not have done that. I mean, I don't know. I would have probably batted J Machado like top th especially you have Michael Bourne in your second slot I mean 691 OPS he has a nice speed but I don't know I think you probably could have uh, I think that might have been a mistake right there yeah so maybe a little Ross uh, lineup construction errors there that maybe costed Baltimore the game but I think Gausman really they just didn't have the stuff to keep them in the game. So we had three sweeps in the divisional round. So the Cubs swept the Mets in three games by scores of six to one, five to three, and five to three. And then you had the Giants sweep the Dodgers in again three three games by scores of 8-3, to 6-2, to two, and 5-2. to two. And then you had the Rangers sweep the Chicago White Sox in three games by scores of 4-0, to 7-4, and 9-5. to five. 
Um, the only actual series that went more than three games was the Detroit versus Boston. And actually, Detroit was able to shut down Boston 3-1. to one. A lot of runs scoring, except in the last game. 7-5, 9-4, 10-7, and then 2-0. Oh, sorry. My bad. It was actually 13 to... They lost the first game 13 to 9. 4 to 3, second game 7 5, next game, and then 9 to 4. For, De for the Detroit Red Sox series. So then... So today I've simmed the first three games of the championship round. And currently, the to my surprise, the Cubs are actually leading the Giants 2 to 1 in this series. Um, sort of blows my mind. I was thinking the Giants would sweep me, or maybe I take a game from them, but I'm surprised maybe it will actually take two of the first three. Uh, the other series, the Tigers are currently leading the Rangers 2-1. And I'm sort of surprised by this too. Maybe the... I think the Tigers are just sort of on a hot streak, and they might be able to pull it out. They're using their bullpen a lot, the Tigers. In Let's look. Yeah, the Tigers are really ugh, using their bullpen. So, in the first... So, in the first game, 10-7... The Tigers used two, four, five guys out of their bullpen. Boyd was only able to get through 4.1 innings. But again, they forced Darvish out after 3.1 innings with seven earned runs. And then second game, 2-0. But the Tigers still, was, the Tigers still needed three guys out of their bullpen. Norris was able to pitch seven, but then you need Wilson, Ryan, and Rendon. And you won that game 2-0. And then the third game was 9-0. And the Rangers, the Tigers were... Oh, the Tigers won. Wait, no, what? Yeah. Tigers won that game, but they were able... No. What? Sorry, guys. This is like... Okay. Oh, Okay. Whoops, I was looking at it from the Texas perspective. Texas perspective. So the Tigers won the first game 10-7. Tigers won the second game 2-0. And then the Tigers lost 9-0. Texas won. So, But Beltre just got hurt for the Texas Rangers. So that's going to probably hurt them a little bit in the series. Currently, the that is... Oh, and Jay Diekman is also hurt for the Rangers. So the Rangers are getting hit by a couple injuries. I wouldn't actually be surprised if those injuries costed the Rangers the series, especially since they're down 2-0 right now, uh, 2-1 right now. Maybe Detroit can actually pull this off and go from wild card to, I mean, they were also the second seed wild card to maybe World Series. Who knows? On the Giants side, I would think, I've got to think that the Giants are going to sweep me, maybe win the next three games straight. I just can't see this Cubs roster competing with the Giants, especially with the trade that the Gi the Giants made for 
Miller, uh, what was it? Miller, Santana, and Kipnis. Yeah, Miller, Santana, and Kipnis. Especially with that and the shoring up of their bullpen, they've now got someone that can compete against my bullpen of Edwards and Chapman and Strope. So I would be I would not be surprised if they just swept me for the rest of the series. But who knows? Maybe we'll have a Cubs repeat of twenty sixteen. I don't know. Maybe it'll mirror true life. But if I had to predict right now, I would actually probably go San Francisco, Detroit, and then I have to just go with Block and Madison Bump Garner to win the series for San Francisco. Uh, maybe I would say probably a five-game World Series between San Francisco and Texas. I mean, and uh, Detroit. Detroit may be able to squeeze one out of Tex uh, out of San Francisco. Maybe when uh, Verlander pitches, depending on who he's matched against. So that's it for the VRMLB side. Uh, make sure you sign everybody up to contracts because. If you don't, I will come in there and sign away a couple players that I think should probably be signed up to a couple contracts. I don't want um, the free agency class to be like too strong this year because if you have a really strong free agent class the first year, it basically means people weren't signing up guys that they should have. And it sort of throws off contracts for the next five or six years. And I just don't want that to happen. So, um, let's look over the winter ball side. So, there, I think I believe there was about 30-ish players that we imported to winter ball. So, there was only really enough to fill up two teams, and I added a couple um, crap guys who were in the free agency pool. So, the two teams that are playing this year are the Lino... Leones del Escodida, Escodido, I don't know how to pronounce it. All those years of Spanish wasted. And then the Tigres del Licie. And basically, they're very evenly matched so far. Out of uh, They've played 15 games so far. And it's 8 and 7 versus 7 and 8 with a plus 4 and a minus 4 differentials. If we look to the player stats, it looks like the best, the top, let's say the top five players are Collier, Marte, Simpson, Sherman, and uh, Malloy. And then for the pitching side, currently it's LeBlanc, Eflin, Volquez, Helms, Faust, Jordan, Stephenson. So the so what I sort of see as an issue of Winter Ball is that there wasn't really enough. I was hoping that a couple more teams would send a couple more guys, but I think there was just not enough um, players to send that were eligible. And so I'm thinking of possibly a winter eliminating Winter Ball after this season. I probably will let it go for another season or two, but if, if we simply just don't have enough guys that are eligible, I might just have to kick it to the curve because... I mean, we barely had enough guys that really made it worth it this year. And if we just don't get enough guys the next couple of years, it just won't be really worth it because 
I don't want to have a team. I don't want to have to make two teams that only have like five or six guys that are real players and fill it all the rest with like fake guys. And like this year, we had no catchers, so both catchers on both teams are faked. We had a lot of outfielders, but you know, I just. I'm thinking of maybe eliminating it simply because there's just not enough players that are eligible. But, um, you know, check it out if you want. I think there's a link on the VRMLB regular page, but if not, you can prop, you, there's, you can look up to my name and it's the VRMLB Winter Ball and College League. Is there? Yeah. So there's a link on the VRMLB page that is titled winter ball and i'll take you right to the league homepage. um oh protected picks so those eight protected picks i'll probably do the um draft sometime during like free agents uh spring training or possibly even after the season starts to see who gets the first who gets the second etc but those picks are now unable to be traded. It's Philadelphia Phillies, Los Angeles Angels, Tampa Bay Rays, Oakland Athletics, New York Yankees, Seattle Mariners, Milwaukee Brewers, and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, so one of those picks were traded. It was the Los Angeles Angels traded their first to Cleveland for in the Kluber trade. However, because of that pick being traded, uh, Cleveland will now get LA's 2018 draft pick. Because, so this is the thing with trading picks that you possibly may become protected. That pick potentially could move on for years and years, and it won't fruition until uh, Los Angeles finish is finishes outside the top eight. So I just want everyone to be aware about that because it's sort of I just don't want teams to try to like screw younger teams that have top 10 draft picks out of their picks and i think this is a pretty good system because you may not actually get that draft pick for three four years potentially if they don't finish outside the top eight and yeah so just be aware about trading picks that potentially can be um protected so i think that's it um Yeah, that's it. Just make sure you sign everyone, and uh, thanks for listening. I'll try to come out with another one probably later this week, maybe during the World Series. Uh, yeah, any suggestions? Sorry for rambling a lot. I had a slow internet connection, so some of the pages sort of took a while to load. Yeah, so anyway, any suggestions, let me know. Yada, yada, yada. Signing off. Windy City for the fifth episode of the VRMLB podcast.